Let's, uh, let's pray together. And so, Lord, as we just sang, we thank you, Lord, that when we fall down, you pick us up. Thank you, Lord, that uh, when we find ourselves in shame, you cover us with your grace and your love. So, Lord, we stand before you today in awe that you have somehow chosen us to be here this day. Uh, you put your hand on us to draw us to actually be sitting in a church uh, to hear your word, which is a miracle in and of itself. So speak to us, Lord, for your word is bread and manna from heaven. May it feed our souls that we may feed the world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. man, thank you. Please be seated, everyone. Thank you, worship team. Awesome. Uh, if you didn't get one of these cards, raise your hand. It's a little silence card on the right. Look, raise your hand if you didn't get one of these. Uh, ah, lots of you didn't get one of these. A couple in the first row there. You can pick out maybe just three there. So keep your hands lifted up here, and we want to get you one of those. We've got a couple in the balcony as well, just so you know. Dave, we may need you. Dave Callis, take a few up there. That'd be great. I'm going to refer to it later. So our, we're entering a new series today. Yeah, keep your hands up. That would be awesome. A new series that is called Proverbs, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. And it's going to be the next four to five weeks. And I want to encourage you now to, you know, dig into it with me. Now, today's topic is called the wisdom of prudence. I want you to say with me the word prudence. Ready? Prudence. All right. Again, that word prudence, I pray, is going to now enter your vocabulary uh, from this point forward. Now, in ancient Israel, there was three main ways that God spoke and revealed himself. Uh, there was prophets, uh, men and women who, who spoke the word of the Lord, like Isaiah and Deborah and, and uh, you know, Ezekiel and Isaiah. Then you had priests who were responsible to bring the word of the Lord and, and helping people come to worship and the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And then you had the wise. And these were the counselors to kings. And so we've got these wisdom books in the Bible called Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job. And so we're entering a series to talk about the wisdom and how God speaks to us through books like Proverbs. Now, in ancient Israel, they also, this Proverbs book was almost like a training manual that eventually put together to, to raise up emerging leaders that could serve like King Solomon and David in their court and bring the wisdom of God to very practical situations. So the book of Proverbs is, is, is about living practically. It's about you know, it's about living skillfully. Uh, and it takes complex topics and makes them very simple and clear. That's the brilliance of, of this wisdom literature called Proverbs. And uh, so we're encouraging you, uh, at least for the month of June, uh, whatever calendar day it is, like today's the 5th of June, that you'd read the corresponding proverb that goes with it, like Proverbs 5. There's, there's 31 Proverbs there. All right, so say you forget a few days, you, oh, it's the 9th of June. Don't worry about starting at chapter 1. Just go right to 9 and just read 9, all right? And we'll do that as a community because you're going to find it so rich as a book. So um, the issue of Proverbs is that when you get wisdom, you've got it all. Here's what it says about, blessed are you who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold, She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. That's quite a promise, isn't it? So think about it. He's saying, saying if you get wisdom, there is nothing on earth that can compare. So say, you know, people want fame, 
You can win the Nobel Prize. You know what? This is even better. You know, you think about power. Probably the President of the United States has got perhaps more power than anybody on earth. You're more powerful than the President if you've got wisdom. Rich? All right, so Bill Gates has got $72.2 billion. Ah, if you've got wisdom, God says you're richer than him. Possessions, yachts, country clubs, you know, apartment buildings, mansions. No, if you've got wisdom, you've got more possessions than all of them put together. Popularity, you know what? Time Magazine, Person of the Year, you want to be famous, you want to be everyone to love you and praise you. You know what? If you've got wisdom, you're more popular than anybody. You've got it all. You don't need their praise because you're so anchored. So he's saying it's, it's better returns than gold, which was the most precious substance in, in ancient times. So we're going to be talking about these principles of how do you become a wise woman, a wise man. But it's important to remember that wisdom is not just, this is not chicken soup of the soul, all right? You can buy those books, secular wisdom out there, and a lot of it's, you know, very good, very, very sound. Uh, but what makes this different is that Jesus is wisdom. In fact, when Paul was writing about Jesus in Colossians 3, he says, in the middle of the sentence here, in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's why when you read to Proverbs 8, you pick it up this week, Proverbs 8, you'll see this, this whole long passage where it says about wisdom calls out to you on the street and speaks to you, and that wisdom is Jesus. And so this, this literature of Proverbs, when you read it, it wasn't just meant to be read like chicken soup with a soul. Okay? It was meant to be lived in a living relationship with Jesus. It's like you're sitting on a park bench, and Jesus, in whom is all wisdom, he's basically sitting down and telling you, here's how you live. Here's some practical wisdom of how it works out. And so it's meant to be out of this seeking and abiding and listening to Jesus that gets unpacked here in the book of Proverbs. So, now we classify people in many different ways in our society. Like in the United States Census, uh, in 2015, they classify people by race. So you have to check a box. Are you uh, white? Are you black or African-American? Are you American Indian? Are you Alaskan Native? Are you Asian? Are you Native Hawaiian? Are you other Pacific Islander? Some of you are saying, what about me? Oh, I'm sorry, it's all the categories they got, you know. And, but they categorize us by, by race. And then we also classify and categorize people by, by language they speak. We do it by economic class, right? And upper class, wealth, lower class. We do it by gender. We do it by geography. Oh, uh, he's European, or he's from China, or he's from the South, or the Midwest, and we classify people by what region of the country they come from, the United States. We classify people by age, right? Senior citizens, you know, child, baby, young adult. We classify people by personality types. Ah, those introverts, oh, oh those extroverts, loudmouths, you know, and, you know. And then we've got, like, Myers-Briggs things, like temperaments. Uh, some of us into the Enneagram, oh, he's a three, he's a nine, he's a two, you know. And, but we, we classify people in many different ways. And you can add to that list. But Proverbs and Scripture classifies people in three categories. There are mockers, there are fools, and there are the wise. All right? So here's the chart, all right? 
Where are you in the wise, foolish spectrum? So it's kind of like a spectrum here. I think of one to ten. And so let's just start with mockers. And you'll see, as you read Proverbs, they're also called uh, scoffers, S-C-O-F-F-E-R-S as well. And uh, these are people, uh, they're really just like number one. Like, they, like, like, there's not a lot of mockers out there. I know you think your spouse is a mocker. I got a lot of that from the first two services. All right. But mockers are, actually, Proverbs also refer, refers to them as like they're evil people. They're, they're arrogant. They're unteachable. These are the kind of people, if you correct them, you're punished, all right? Uh, but these are folks who are like, you know, Hitler's, Pol Pot's, you know. Stalin. Thank you, Stalin. <laughs> are you from Russia? All right, no, this is Stalin. Uh, you know, you know these, are, these are folks and, you know, abusers. You know, these, these are folks who just, and, I, and I've met them. They, just, they don't have any conscience. They just do, do great evil. So they're, they're a category in Proverbs. Uh, but the majority of Proverbs is dealing with, with, with fools, now, actually, there's three different Hebrew words for fool. So now we've got, we've got gradations of fools, all right? So, but for the sake of our time today, we're just going to do the general fool. And, you know, moving along here. And they're often referred to, as you'll see in just a few minutes, as simple or simpletons. Uh, and uh, these are people, actually, this is 65 times in the book of Proverbs. So a fool refuses to think a lot, you know, is... It actually, in, in, in Hebrew, one of the words means thick-brained. I like that. Thick-brained, like they can't get through, you know? They're naive, pliable, easily influenced, aimless. They kind of drift into things, don't like a lot of hard work. This is the great mass of people, says Proverbs. Uh, they don't want to ask hard questions. They kind of wander into messes. Uh, and then you've got 8, 9, 10. I'm calling, you know, think of a scale, the wise or the prudent. And that's where the whole point of Proverbs is that you and I, we would grow up into being wise people. The sad thing about it, you can have a PhD and be a fool. Okay, you can be 80 years old and haven't gone through battles and still be a fool. But wisdom is something that out of abiding in Jesus, we are to grow into. And that's, so today we're going to talk about prudence because prudence and wisdom are very closely related. And in fact, it says in Proverbs 8, I wisdom dwell with prudence. So they're very tight. And you'll be hearing about different aspects of growing into a wise person in the next four to five weeks. But for me, this issue of prudence uh, is the key one of growing into a wise man or woman. And for me personally, has been the most difficult. So challenging uh, because I know what it means to be a fool so well, you know. And, uh, and so, again, here's our title. Today we're going to focus specifically on the wisdom of prudence. And uh, I want to begin with Proverbs chapter 1. Just go, that introduces kind of a whole book here. Okay, thus says the Lord. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple or fools, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, so you'll, you'll see here, even the, as the book begins, it's contrasting the prudent with wisdom with the simple or the fools. And, and, and so let, let me just, as we kind of go into this study here together, let me just give you a definition of the prudent. 
A prudent person thinks ahead. A prudent person patiently gives careful thought to the long-term implications of decisions. A fool, on the other hand, fools are impulsive, and they don't ask hard questions or think things through. They look only at the short-term and quick fixes. That's a fool. So you see a good contrast here. So, you know, for example, a fool, if you've ever done this, I've done it. You know, you, you got a contract, whether you're buying a car or leasing an apartment or you're taking out a loan and and you just say, just all the small print, you say, you say, you say I, I don't read small print. Just, just, let me just sign this thing. And you find out later, why, why are you come, coming after me? Well, it says in the contract here that, that well, I, I, I didn't know that. You signed it, you know. Or maybe you're like, you know, I'm not going to pay my taxes. The United States government, they, they don't care about my few dollars. They're never going to find out. I had a friend who worked for the IRS. He said they got a big poster, a big, on, on the IRS office. It says, ignorance is no excuse. They'll find you. Let me tell you, they're going to find you, all right? They'll find you in another country. Taxi, they won't find you, you know? And it's foolish. And so, you know, some famous last words of, of foolish things that were said or foolish acts. The IBM chairman in 1943, when computers were first being developed, Thomas Watson, he said this about computers. I think there's a world market for about five computers. Fool. The producer uh, of 20th Century Fox in 1946 when TVs were just coming out, he said this, TV will not last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Fool. 1950s, the Cancer Institute. If excessive smoking actually plays a role in lung cancer, it seems to be a very minor one. Fool. The owners of a record company in Nashville, when they first heard Elvis Presley in the 1950s, said, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to be driving a truck. Fool. When the United States invaded Iraq in 2003, we were told that the United States would be welcomed as liberators and that everything would be hunky-dory fine within a couple of months, that the, the Kurds and the Shiites and the Sunnis would live as one big happy family. And we actually declared victory eight weeks or nine weeks after we landed. Fool. Pete Scazzaro. Fool. I said to Jerry, uh, we first started New Life Fellowship. I said, let's, let's start a church. You know, we don't have any people or any money, but you know what? We'll plant a church in, in fact, we'll plant two churches, one in English and one in Spanish. Then we'll plant some other churches, and you know, in five years, we'll just move on and do something else. Fool. No sense of the work that would be involved. I had little experience of what I was doing. What a fool. You know, I told Jerry what I was preaching on, past week, and he said, I got some stories for you. I said, it's not a good time to talk about it, you know. <laughs> but she did remind me of a couple. We went to visit a friend in Colorado on vacation, and he had a nice jacuzzi in the backyard for like five people. I said, this is amazing. A jacuzzi, hot. It was winter. I said, we got to buy a jacuzzi. So I came back to Queens here, went to Long Island, went to the jacuzzi stores. You know, I, I had her take my picture in the jacuzzi, you know, and I said, we got to buy one of these. And then she reminded me, she goes, you know, you live in Queens. The whole neighborhood can see it. 
they're all looking down at Jacuzzi. You want to really sit in that bathtub and jacuzzi outside and everyone watching you? Fool. I saw that, I, I, you know, I, I was at a bookstore and uh, I saw these tapes you could buy and it said, learn Russian. Easy, fast, and fun in 30 days. Now, I took a course in Russian history in college. I thought, that'd be really cool. I'm going to spend that $59.95 and buy those Russian tapes. I'm going to listen to those Russian tapes in the car, driving back and forth to work, and I'm going to pick up some Russian. Well, if you've ever tried to learn a language, you don't pick up anything. You find that in a car. And so I had these Russian tapes in our car two, three years, and Jerry would get crazy. The waste of money, the stupidity to think I was going to learn Russian in the car, you know. So you're like, oh, fool. fool. Then I bought German tapes too. Fool. Didn't learn. I don't know anything German or Russian, you know, and I'd buy these tapes. The list could go on, but why bother? Why bother talking about me? We have more important things to talk about here. So remember, a prudent person thinks ahead, patiently giving careful thought the long-term implications of their decisions. So here's some scriptures on prudence, all right? And this is the, I think this is the key verse. If you're going to memorize, I'm going to really encourage you to write this down, memorize this verse. I mean, write it down, bring it to work with you. Let, it, let every word, when you meditate in a verse, like every word's supposed to seep into you. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. And when you're about to make an impulsive decision, okay, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. A great verse. Only simpletons or fools believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. Proverbs 14, 15. You know, Proverbs 19, 2. It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Proverbs 19, 11, A person's wisdom gives them patience. Proverbs 22, 3, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple or the fool just keeps going and pays the penalty eventually. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to just, I want to unpack this, all right, very practically for you. Because you see, again, the general theme is the prudent are thoughtful, they work hard, they ask difficult questions, uh, they think through the steps, time involved. The hasty or the fool is quick and kind of sloppy. It kind of hopes for the best. It'll all work out. And, uh, and so I'm going to give you five areas of contrasting fools and, and pr the prudent to help you kind of look at yourself and kind of ask Jesus, wh wh where am I and how do I kind of move forward in growing in wisdom? And uh, so there's five areas. We're going to talk about finance, and then we'll talk about decision-making. Then we'll talk about uh, relationships, words, and then getting counsel, wise counsel. Right, let's start with number one, finance and money. So fools don't think about money long-term. Don't budget. You know, they get credit card debt. It's like, I, I don't want to think about it. It's just too painful. So I just make the minimal payments, and I'm, it'll all work out. And I actually had a conversation with a family member about this and uh, who had gotten some bad counsel about her credit card debt. And I said, you don't understand, honey, you're paying like 26% on that money. And like that money is like multiplying. Do you understand? 
And she goes, I, I don't want to think about it. I said, I know you don't want to think about it. I said, but they're saying like, it's been going on for a couple of years. And as I look at it, it's going to be going on the next 10 to 15 years. So you got to look at the numbers of what this means if you keep making minimal payments. Okay. Which I said, so you, you borrowed this much, but do you understand in 10 years, it's going to still be this much. It will have actually grown. And she still wouldn't listen to me. I said, okay, listen, I got to find a chart. I got to find like a, I went to YouTube, like, give me something that gives a picture so it's in your face, you know? And she finally, she saw like the, the you know, big circles and all that. And like, you ruined my day! I said, I know I ruined your day. I said, but you've got to look at this because of where it's all going. You're going to be enslaved, you know, for, for a long time here. So, you know, taking the time to do, the, fools don't take time to do the math because it's too painful. So just keep going out to eat nice restaurants, keep going on nice vacations, I deserve it, you know, avoid reality, do impulse buying, all that. I had a friend uh, I went to college with, who, you know, we kind of went separate ways after college. We, we, we kind of remained in contact all these years. So we would, every couple of years, we'd kind of get together. And he was a lawyer, he made a lot of money. He actually made about a half a million dollars a year. It's a lot of money. One year, he actually made $1 million. Business was flying. So he just, you know, he just had a lot. He had boats, he had country club memberships, he had a booming business. He would go out to really nice restaurants, nice clothes, big house, the whole thing. But I, we'd lose touch for a few years, and I see him again, and, and he's bankrupt. I'm like, how could you be bankrupt? And well, you know, not, not, not only was he bankrupt, he was now deep in debt, where it was going to take him years. He's still digging out of it to this day, okay? And I said, what happens? Well, you know, I got a divorce. <laughs> okay, that's a pain, yeah. Divorce, I, my, my, my partner in business stole half the business. Okay, betrayed me. Uh, my country club membership was a lot of money. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't watching the books. New, I got new cars, obviously, Lexuses, restaurants, my whole lifestyle. And he goes, then I had an accountant that was a really nice guy, but I wasn't watching what he was doing. And so for years, he also was siphoning off some money. He ripped me off. I said, because I, I just wasn't, I was careless. And so fool went from wealth to today, digging out of debt because he wasn't watching it. You know, it's like, it's like you, you want to get a contractor to do some electrical work in your house, and the first one comes by, gives you a bid. You say, he's a nice guy. He looks honest. Hire him. And you find out later, he, learned, he got his electrical degree online, you know. He's just starting out, and you hire him, and he doesn't know what he's doing. It's weeks into the project. You know, but you didn't get two or three bids. You didn't ask for any counsel from anybody. You just, you just did it because you seem like a nice guy. I don't want, it takes too much time anyway. All that hassle, people coming into my house. But see, a prudent person, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So let me ask you, pause for a moment, what, God, what might God be saying to you? If Jesus is wisdom and your finances right now in your life, what might I mean, okay, you're stewarding, it's not your money, it's God's, right? So what might he be saying to you about wisdom growing in that path of being a prudent, wise person? Okay, good question. All right, next. Decision-making. Second big area. Now, fools make quick decisions. You know, I'm going to drop out of high school, Pastor Pete. You know what, I can make $16 an hour. I can, I, I, I can buy a car. I can go on vacation, I know, I know, but you don't understand, like $16 an hour is like not a lot of money. But when you're 16, it sounds like a lot of money. I said, no, you don't understand, like not going to college, you know, not whatever, vocation, thinking about this thing long term, you're going to pay for it later. 
Oh, man, you're always negative. I know, I know, I know, but you got to think. Fool, okay? Um, someone said that, Pastor Peter, I went, to, I went on vacation to Florida. It was beautiful. The weather was great. Houses are cheap. Half of New York is in Florida. I'm moving. I know, but have you really thought about it? I'm moving. I think God's speaking to me. I said, I'm, I, you know, you just relax, just relax. Fool, okay? Sells everything, moves to Florida. Hate Florida, you know, I know you. I'm so mad at my boss, Pastor Pete. I, he's toxic. Everything around him, he gets sick. I'm quitting. I'm quitting tomorrow. I know. Do you have another job lined up? I don't need God's going to provide for me. I sure fool, fool. This happened. One of my daughters really wanted a car, you know, and so she was desperate, you know. And you know, you're waiting a long time. And you finally see one you like. It was a pretty, really pretty car. Pretty, beautiful color. It was her friend's father's car. I said, well, you really want to bring it to a mechanic. Dad, why? My friend. He's going to think I don't trust her. I said, not that you don't trust her. You want to just get it checked out, you know? No, I love that car. Fool, that car cost a fortune. I had to get rid of it. it took a loss. I was like, <laughs> Fool. I had an Aunt Yolanda who didn't believe in doctors. I know we've got a few doctors here. She's, she would say, those doctors are all bums. They're all thieves. They get you sicker to make more money, you know, and don't go to a doctor. She died at 50, all right? I remember being at her funeral. Before she was sick, she was getting sick, she wouldn't go. And I remember sitting there with my cousins and saying, do you realize Aunt Yolanda's dead? Do you realize how foolish this is? 50 years old? for no reason but being a fool that all doctors are crooks. Ridiculous. Maybe some are. No, no. <laughs> the early days that we had a, you know, we have a community development corporation. You saw Dealey up here with young governors and all that. And, you know, so in the early days, we had a great vision for serving the community and the poor. And what happened was, you know, we started the church. And we're like, how do we serve our community? And I remember somebody gave us money, like a lot of money, just to get something started. And I was like, we got to spend this money. We didn't know what to do. And I remember we were talking about all these different ideas. And one day at a table, this is the truth, I, I said it to the guy with the money. <laughs> I said, we got to do something now. You know, and we, we got, I'm thinking to myself, we got to spend that money. And we just launched some program. And I just remember, we launched the program, and then about two years into it, we realized it's really not what the community needs. <laughs> like, the community didn't really need it. But I was making a decision like a fool, spent the money, and then it really wasn't what the community needed. Red, on the other hand, who leads our community development corporation, when he took the job, under great pressure from us, like get something done, Red says, I'm not doing anything for a year. I'm going to just listen. I'm going to listen to Elmhurst and Corona and find out what's going on in the grassroots. I'm going to listen to people, listen to the people themselves. I'm thinking to myself, dang, that guy's not a fool. <laughs> that was smart. That was really smart. I didn't tell him what I did. I don't know. Why, give my, why give my ideas, you know? But the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. I, I, have, I have a quote by a German poet named Rilke. I love it. Have you ever read his book, Letters to a Young Poet? It's a great little volume. And here's what he says about God's process cannot be hurried. He goes, have patience with everything that is unresolved in your heart and try to cherish the questions themselves. 
Perhaps one day, gradually, you will live right into the answer. Love that. Gradually, you'll just live right into the answer. And what was so unclear two years ago, all of a sudden, is like, how obvious. But the wise are patient. The fool is not. And I'd rather do something really quickly. So again, what might God be saying to you about the way you're making some decisions right now that are in your life? Like, you've got some decisions right now in front of you. How are you approaching that decision? What are you even coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? That's why we put this little card in your, uh, in your bulletin there because silence and stillness guidelines because one of our greatest tasks at New Life is to slow you down. To slow you down so you're actually listening to Jesus who is wisdom himself. All right, number three is relationships. I'm sorry. So we've got money, decision-making, now relationships. Now, in relationships... I used to have the attitude, when there's a lot, I, don't like, I don't like conflict, like most of you. So when I had tension with someone, I just would kind of sweep it under the rug and hope it went away. And I would make believe everything is fine. Uh, that's a fool. I was a fool. So I found out that things don't go away. They just get worse. And then it would blow up and it would be a big mess and all these unspoken assumptions and hurts and all that. Fool. Some of you may be thinking about getting married. Getting married is one of the biggest decisions of your life. I'd say after Christ is the biggest. You're going to spend, imagine, the rest of your life with somebody, I mean like decades. <laughs> and so this happens a lot. Someone goes, Pastor Pete, I'm in love. Oh, great, I'm happy. It's wonderful, you know. And how long have you been dating? Ah, oh, three months, you know. I'm getting married you know, in three months. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like, all right, do you, do you, have you asked any, you know, do you know them? I, I, yes, yes, awesome people, I know, but do they have any flaws? Not that I could see. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, the most, very hard to get them to talk and have, ask hard questions and go down a road. A fool jumps in and doesn't want to ask the questions because hope, I, I don't want, doesn't want to be in a situation where it might disrupt their relationship. And so don't, and just boom, get married. And they find out about, you know, six weeks, a month, two years later, I had no idea. I know you had no idea, you fool. <laughs> like Jerry likes to say, she loves four seasons. At least go through four seasons with somebody, you know, autumn, fall, have a year. See them in different contexts. You know, I've I done a, a good amount of hiring uh, over the years. And, uh, and I tell you, I, I, I build a team and hire someone. I, I used to do it really fast. Looks good, looks wonderful, great guy. You got a resume, looks tremendous, you know. People say all kinds of things in resumes, you know. And I do it fast, and so often would very soon realize this is not good. I was a fool, just a fool doing it quick because desperate to fill a hole, and you find out you got two problems. I mean, how many of you, you know, when you hear someone comes to you and they're really angry about a coworker, or they're really angry about another family member or a friend, and they, did, they dump on you, this person did this, they did that. I mean, they make the person sound like Hitler, okay, personified, all right? And, you're, and, and they're expecting you to agree. Right, right, right? Like, yeah, 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 they're evil, they're evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fool, fool, fool to get yourself in the middle of that like you know what's going on because you don't know. You know one side. Okay, fools do that. Proverbs says a wise know this. The first to present his case seems right until another comes forward and questions him. 
All right? So wise people know that I don't know the whole story. I'm really sorry for your pain. It sure sounds really, really bad. But I don't cross a line and make a judgment of that person. I don't even know the person, okay? I mean, how many of you do this? You're, do this, you're angry with somebody, and you just, you're, just, you're angry, and you can't take it anymore. So what do you do? You send them a text with this. <laughs> Emojis. Yeah. Yeah. You email it. Capital letters. Exclamation point. I'll put three emojis. I'll fix you, you know. So you can't take it anymore, you fool. It's a fool. Because you don't, of course, you cannot resolve any conflicts. Emails or texts is foolish. You can't get tone of voice and facials and all that. And, 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 and so, you know, I had a conversation with my, you know, young daughter recently. She, she was really upset with this coworker, and she wanted to just have a meeting so she could tell her. How upset she was. I said, do not have that meeting. Why? I said, because this meeting, is, it's for you because you're anxious, because you're so angry and you want to dump it on her because you'll feel better and it's going to make things a lot worse. Just, you know, I, 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 you know, a person's wisdom gives them patience. So I said, just trust me. Do not have that meeting. Sleep on it. Journal. Think about it. You got some other conversation you have to have with her. I mean, it's a lot. This is about you. You didn't say anything earlier. It's not all about her, but... This is a big thing, just you dumping on this person, you're being foolish. And uh, it was really good, you know, and, and uh, she didn't do it, you know, so, Proverbs 19:11. So again, where might you, what kind of, what relationships are you involved in right now? Work or friends or neighbors, or it might be, you know, church, you're like, are you really being, are you being a fool? Or are you being prudent? You know, in the, in the, how, and what might Jesus be saying to you on how you can be more wise in the relationship? Great question. All right. Number four is words. Proverbs has a lot to say about words. And uh, now, you know, like, we are, we all come from families of origin going back three to four generations. So the, ha, if I was going to take a scale of one to ten, how foolish or, or prudent was your family? Mine was in the negative column, all right? You know? So that was in me as well as I grew up into young adulthood. So my family with words we would say, we're Italian-American, we would just say things that were crazy, okay? And, I mean, exaggerations. And, and so I remember, like, we, we have, as you know, we have an Italian-American pastry shop. And really, since I was a kid, I remember these stories. My, I'm, my, my uncles would say it. Every, we're going to sell this business, literally, they would say, for a $1 billion, Pete, a billion to craft foods. We're going to all be rich, you know? And I'm thinking as a little nephew, Hey, maybe I'll get rich too then, I'm thinking, you know. I'm, and all the workers, everyone's all excited, you know. And, and you know, I, imagine, this is now decades later. They're still saying things like this, okay? And I realize nobody wants to buy the business for $500, let alone $1 billion, okay? But just, and, and so I just kind of grew up like saying things like that for effect, you know, for drama, and to get people excited or make them think differently of me. And, and uh, I, I was just telling one of, the, one of the staff at New Life, I said, and Jerry, too bad she's in the room right now because she can testify this is true. I was so dangerous when we started our church. I was saying things. I was just doing my family. Words just flying out of me that I knew I couldn't. I didn't know. I, wasn't, I didn't think about it. As I couldn't follow through on the promises or expectations or visions, I would say yes to things that I could never fulfill, uh, but I didn't think about it. But I realize, you know, it's, Proverbs says, do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, 
Proverbs 29, 20, that was me, like to a, to a T, you know. And so I don't know about you with your words. I mean, I've, I've grown, I'm still growing, you know. And, and, uh, but what might Jesus be saying to you about the way you use your words in terms of prudence? Uh, and if you're a parent, I get a lot of amens from parents at the services, you know. Really challenging, you know, to be loving and know when to be quiet. All right, and fifthly and finally is, I'm going to call this getting wise counsel. Just, just, see, fools don't get counsel. Or they get counsel from other fools. Because <laughs> they want the fools to tell them what they're doing is okay. And so now life is full of new situations. Like we have to go, we're going to buy a home or apartment or condo or we're going to, you know, save money for retirement or buy a car or, or think about our careers or next phase. There's, a lot, there's so much in life we don't know, right? And so Proverbs is very clear that, that wise, prudent people get counsel. They get expertise counsel. They, they go to wise people. But those without advisors, they, they fail. You, you end up, because you have learned everything by your mistakes. Well, you can only, I mean, how much can you learn from it? We all made mistakes, right? But you, you may have to learn everything in life by mistakes. You're a fool. Because you're constantly, there's so much to learn in different areas. But wise or prudent men and women get counsel. Now, many of you know that Martha Stewart, uh, she was a billionaire in 2001. She's probably still a billionaire, I'm sure now. But uh, she was one of the most famous and wealthy women in the world in 2001. And she had some stock invested in a small pharmaceutical company. And she got a tip that this company was in trouble because something had failed, some new drug had failed with the Food and Drug Administration. So she got this hot tip. It wasn't public knowledge. And so she was on her way for vacation. She was in her, her airplane, her private airplane, going to some private beach in Mexico, you know. And she, so her mind was kind of full. And she said, you know, she made a decision to sell all her stock in the company. Uh, now, that's called insider trading. It's illegal, all right? Now, she didn't bother to call her financial advisor, her lawyer. She just did it, okay? Now, she ended up going to jail for five months. She ended up having, she, it cost her hundreds of millions of dollars. She saved $45,000, but it cost her tens of millions of dollars. She, she was publicly humiliated, in jail for five months, all because she was a fool of not getting counsel. She just went and did it real quick because she was on her way to vacation. There was no time to lose. Fool. I understand it well. You know, there's a, there's a really, you know, he who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm. See, God's intention that we are supposed to be a community that is growing in wisdom together. You were never meant to live life alone apart from God's people. Now, God's people, we are to be a community that's growing in wisdom, not diminishing in wisdom. Okay, now, sadly, some churches, we're foolish too, you know, it feeds the foolishness, but but God's intention is that we're, we're together like this and corporately and in groups because we need each other as we walk through life to walk the wisdom of God in a world that's filled with masses of people just drifting and in foolishness. So, um, so again, here, here's the question. Where, where are you? Where are you today on that spectrum of wise and foolish? I, I people say to me after the first two services, you know what, Pete? When, when you started and put that up there, I gave myself a seven or an eight. But now, after the sermon, I'm down to a two. I'm down to a three. I had no idea. Because, again, the question is, what's God saying to you? 
today. What about growing into a more prudent, mature, wise person? This is a critical issue in being a disciple of Jesus. It's moving from foolishness to wisdom. And that your life then, as you grow older, you become a repository of wisdom that is a gift to everyone who's around you, regardless of what environment you're in. So, so again, this begins with, this is not, again, this is not chicken soup for the soul. These Proverbs, you're going to love these Proverbs. They're really fun to read and interesting and all that. Um, but it's, these are meant to be read out of a new birth in Jesus. In other words, you've, it, it, it's read that you're, you've been born again. Jesus said, except you've been born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And what he meant by that is that becoming a Christian is a complete new beginning. It's not just a new life. It is a new start. It's a new beginning. It's a different birth. And so it comes from heaven, invades your life and my life. And this, this new birth opens up a whole new relationship with God. And so then discipleship is walking that out into this new life. But I want, I want you to say that to get here and move in the wisdom as Proverbs is talking about requires the miracle of a relationship with Jesus and a birth, of the, the new beginning and the new birth with Christ. And everything then flows out of it. As a follower, then I'm taking initiative to, to grow slowly in time by practicing wisdom and being in community to grow into a wise person. That's discipleship. But it flows out of this intimate relationship with the person of Jesus. It's not simply good sayings. Now, this is a really interesting book I recommend to some of you. You may love it. I loved it. Called Peak by Anders Ericsson. And uh, what he did in this book was he studied over decades people, people in the world who seem to be endowed with tremendous gifts and abilities that we don't have, the regular folk, the rest of us. He looked at brilliant mathematicians and chess players and scientists and gymnasts and dancers and doctors and musicians. And he goes, how did these, were they just given this genius that they could become these amazing people that we're in awe of? And what he found in his decades and decades of research is, no, they're just like us. But the way they got there was, basically it took a lot of time and it took a lot of practice. So Mozart, for example, one of the examples is Mozart. You know, Mozart at seven years old was giving concerts or in Europe. Seven-year-old kid writing a symphony. But, but he said, but you want to get the story of Mozart. Well, first of all, by the time he was seven, he had done enough work on music and practice. It would, it would be like he graduated already from the Juilliard School of Music in Manhattan at seven years old. Also, his father was writing half the compositions. His father was a brilliant guy himself. So, I mean... He says, it's not true he wasn't working incredibly hard over time. And he basically said, no matter what field of work, no matter what, what arena, it's slow and it's practice, deliberate practice and focus. Well, it's the same way with growing to be a wise person. Yes, there's power of the Holy Spirit available, absolutely. To all of us, we need the power of God. But there is no substitute for discipleship, which is the regular learning slowly and practicing wisdom over time that slowly you emerge into a wise woman, a wise man. We're talking about breaking generations of foolishness that go back in our families of origin, sometimes thousands of years. It's a big shift. So the invitation is, is discipleship here. So now pull out this card that you were giving. It says silence and stillness here, a key to prudence. 
you know, I, I made a list. I mean, I, I'm growing in prudence. I, I don't want to put myself up here like Mr. Mr. Prudent. But I know Scripture's important. I know that journaling and feeling and breathing's important and getting wise counsel is important. But, I, but there's one thing I did which is critically important, and that is silence and stillness in your life. I put this card here because we use this as part of our emotional and spirituality course that we teach at New Life for every person who's part of New Life Fellowship. We want to help slow you down so that you are listening to Jesus. Now, that's, that's a miracle in this culture. And so you'll see some guidelines on the white there, silence and stillness guidelines. You know, sit down and take a few deep breaths to settle into silence. You can be in a car and do this, come back from work or on a subway platform. Instead of picking up a newspaper, sit down and, and just take, close your eyes. You know, and just slow down. Okay, not to be hasty. Then choose a very simple prayer to express your openness to desire for God. I, I love, you know, here I am, Lord. You know, here I am. Here I am. That's a great prayer. Here I am. And then, then close your eyes and offer that prayer to Jesus. Here I am. And then every time you get distracted, you think about something else, say, oh, Lord, here I am. And just, you know, I, we, we want at New Life Fellowship, our recommendation is that, that you would have five minutes a day in the morning, you'd start your day with this. And that during the day, at certain intervals, you'd have a rhythm of kind of pausing to slow down. Why? Because we want you, we want to grow into wisdom with Jesus. We want to hear his voice, who is crying out, Proverbs chapter 8, he calls out from the streets, wisdom, that's Jesus. And he calls out, come and learn wisdom and prudence, he says. And that requires slowing down and stopping. So I, I commend this. Put this in your wallet, pull it out during the week, and begin to just enter in. So the great news of the gospel is Jesus bears all our foolishness, and uh, that's the great news and the consequences, and he gives us his life. So let me invite the worship team to come on forward here. You know, I was asked um, this morning, twice, suppose you do all the prudent work about finances for a set, right? And then you're like, the finances say you should do this, but then you think God is saying to do that. What do you do? And the prudent decision is always, you do what God says. In other words, you do your work of what's, what's wisdom, prudence, yeah, okay. My wife and I, we first came to New York to, to start a church. I was offered money to go start a church in Manhattan. Money, house, I was offered nothing to do a church in Queens. In terms of very little, broke, poor, no people. Well, prudent thing, we had two small kids, was do it in Manhattan. You got the money, you got the security, you got the backing. But it was very clear to me, God said, do it here without money, without backing, you know, without much backing, and, you know, be poor. It's like, oh, hmm. you know? But it was God. The wisdom of the prudent was to do what God said, not simply what was on the short term comfortable. So doing what God says is always, in a sense, trumps it all, and we always keep that in mind, but we're doing the work of prudence in the process. Okay, with that, let's all stand together. Now, we got communion here today, which is wonderful. Thank God. You know why communion is so important? Communion is a free gift of grace. You and I get to come to a table, not in our own name or performance. We come in the name of Jesus. Now, how many of you have made foolish mistakes? Raise your hands. All right. How many of you are lying and did not raise your hands? All right, okay. Gotcha. So we've all made mistakes. I mean, some of us, you know, impact our whole lives, trajectory, right? And say, oh, Lord. Oh, here, here's the great news. Our God is so big that when we come to him with our foolish mistakes, 
He not only forgives us, but he takes those foolish mistakes and he somehow weaves something good in them for our future. And he takes the mistakes and foolery and they become actually gifts for other people. So you're never on plan B when you come to God. You're always on plan A. Don't ever listen to the voice that says, you're done, you've screwed up your life. That's coming from hell itself. So we come to this communion table. This is about grace. This is about the love of Jesus. This is about forgiveness. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood given for you. We come, friends, we come all on equal footing. We come in the name of Jesus alone. So if you can be humble enough to come forward and say, I need Jesus who died for me and rose again, you come to this table. And maybe you say, I need a new birth. You come to the table. It's an altar call. I need a new birth. I need forgiveness. I need help. You're coming in his name alone. So you're going to take the bread. You're going to dip it in the cup. You'll take it back to your seat. And you're going to hold on to it. And then after we worship and all get served, I'll lead us and we'll take communion together and we'll bring our service to a close. All right? So let's pray here as we, uh, for these elements as we begin. So thank you, Lord, so much for the Lord's table, for this gift to come and receive communion. Bless the bread and bless that cup. These elements that we may have an experience of your presence and your power and your love. So release the Holy Spirit, I pray, in our midst here. In Christ's name, and everybody said. So we have a prayer that we like to pray and put up there that just kind of a, a prayer of confession and just, you know, ask forgiveness before we partake of this table together. And it's a lovely prayer. And uh, I invite you to make it your own here before we take communion. Together, out loud. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We've denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, in the world you have created. Repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we abide in your love and serve only your will. Now, Jesus said, you know, this is, he took bread, he gave thanks, he said, take and eat, this is my body. He took the cup, he gave thanks, he offered them, he said, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. So this little bread and dipped in, 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 in you know, wine there, is, this, is, this is life that we come for cleansing. We need the life of Jesus to mature us into wise men and women to be all he's called us to be in the world. So let's partake together. invite the prayer teams to come forward to your right and as we close I, I have really just two invitations here one is for those of you having a, you have a hard time forgiving yourself for uh, some of the things you've done foolish things you've done that have gotten you in all kinds of trouble and, and God wants to release his love and forgiveness over you and so I want to invite you to if you're in that place and you just don't feel like you've you know you've been forgiven you know you have it in your head but it's not inside of you you kind of walk with this kind of shame and and I want to invite you to come forward uh, to just receive forgiveness, a, a, a breath of wind on you. Because you're not on plan B, all right? And God's got you here today because he loves you. 
and he takes even our foolishness and he weaves into something beautiful and we offer it back to him. And then there's some of you here that you just, you're really stuck and you so need prudence. You just can't see it. And that's okay. But you may want to just come to receive prayer for wisdom, for prudence to be imparted to you. And I, I really believe getting prayed for is part of the process of receiving it. And you come as well, all right? And our teams will stay here and pray for you. All right, so I invite you to open your hands up towards heaven. Just receive a, you know, we like to close our service with a blessing. Because God sees you and he wants to bless you. And so may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you. And may the Lord open up your eyes and ears to receive the fullness of Jesus and all he is in wisdom. And may he fill you with the Holy Spirit and fill you with power and fill you with wisdom and discernment and understanding. And may you as of today grow, gone a little bit forward up on that scale a spectrum of wisdom and foolishness. And may your full destiny that God has planned for you to have put you here on earth to be a gift. May you enter into all of that in all of your days. And I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Thank you, everybody. God bless you.